Welcome back, everyone, to Common Sense Choices, and I'm Linda Tupin. If this is your first time, welcome. Pull up a chair and enjoy the conversation, and we hope you come back. If you are a veteran, this is episode number 18. Can you believe it? 18 episodes since December the 2nd, and it is because of people like you guys who keep coming back week after week, commenting, liking, and sharing that our podcast has taken off and getting such great reviews, and it is audience-driven. So thank you all so very, very much. Well, we are moving into a brand new series today with this episode number 19 on children, parents, grandparents, and of course the word I'm most favored, most favored, choices. Well, if you're new to our podcast, it's based on the mantra that you see over there behind my shoulder on that seven foot piece of art. It's also on my coffee mug this morning. You'll see it with my guest speakers in just a minute. And it's also over at lindatupin.com. Remember, if you comment, share, or like, your name goes into the drawing for our little souvenir store over at lindatupin.com. And we're going to say it together with conviction and passion. I am where I am by the choices I've made, or I've allowed others to make for me. You see, if you want a different life, you have to make different choices. And boy, that will definitely be driven home today uh, and this month with the episodes that we have planned for you. But if you would like to check out the items over at lindatupin.com, head on over there. When you order five of one item, you can use the promo code on the screen, LT20. And guess what? When you order five or more of that item, you'll get 20% discount. So be sure and check it out. Well, last week when I started the episode, I read from my own website and I read this statement and it definitely applies to our episode today. When I started all this back last winter, I had to decide what I was trying to accomplish with this podcast. And it says here, in times like these, we need strong, confident citizens, those words are capped, who are healthy mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. So consider your time with me each week to be a life skills class filled with hope and strategy for a better you, which in turn will make a better world. So today I want to focus on the words hope and strategy. You see, you would have had to have been living under a rock the past few years, not to know that the hottest, most controversial cultural and political topic right now is children. Nothing will shift the needle of politics and culture faster than when people start messing with your kids. So from the elections in San Francisco to Virginia, to your local school board elections, to the seemingly demise of the teachers unions, to COVID, to masking, to what they will and will not be taught in school, it's a big mess. It's a holy mess. And many of you may be feeling a lot of negative emotions right now from fear to anger to frustration or just feeling absolutely exhausted and defeated. So my intention for this entire month is that you leave every episode with hope. Hope that you can take control and that you have, guess what, choices. So to get started, I'm going to share with you my educational story. I was educated in the public school system in the 1960s and 70s. They do not resemble a lot of the school systems today, but it was a wonderful experience. For the first, actually, six years, I went to a two-room school. 
where there was only six kids in the class. And in the first row was the first grade, in the second row, the second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And what was interesting, of course, now that I can see is that was actually quite brilliant because I got to hear what the other grades were learning. And then as I progressed, I got to go, I got to be one of the tutors. So I'm, I'm sure that probably contributed to me wanting when I grew up to be a teacher. Then I became a public uh, school teacher in the home economics department in the 1980s. Now I am no stranger to controversy. Uh, as the home economics instructor, I actually was part of marriage and family living education, which involves sex education and birth control. And when I taught juniors and seniors, obviously I knew that there was a delicate balance between what I was teaching and what the parents would want taught. So a forum went home with the students that they needed to get permission from their parents in order to hear that information. And I respected that. And I certainly respect that today. So I understood all of that that was going on and is certainly what is going on today. Now, before we focus this month on children and parents, I really want to give a shout out to all the teachers out there, because not only are you teachers, but you're parents as well. And you are probably feeling a lot of the same feelings that the parents are feeling. But I guess what I want to say to you is how much respect I have for you, because I've watched the past two years and it has been breathtaking for me to see what you all had to do. I know what it's like to be a teacher and an educator. Even after I left the public school system, I was still a trainer, educator, and I know how much energy it takes to stand in front of a class for five and six hours a day and pour your soul into a lesson plan and to execute that lesson plan and to lift, edify, and affirm children and to teach them and to train them. And then to have to switch over to virtual, I know how much energy that took. And it's not an easy learning curve. I knew it wasn't an easy learning curve because I was having to do it as well. And then when you went back into the classroom, you had a mask on your face and your children had masks. And you and I both know as educators that body language and facial expression is a huge part of the process. People are visual learners. And so, my heart, it literally ached for all of you. I knew, I, in fact, every time I saw a picture of teachers in the classroom, I got tired for you. Well, to add insult to injury, you guys got caught in the middle of the biggest battle in America, probably in my lifetime. You got caught between the school boards, the big national uh, teachers union, the health officials, your governor, the local politicians, the parents, and the children. So my hat is off to all of you because I can't even imagine the nightmare that you all have had to live through. And it also says to me a lot about your dedication to your profession and how committed you are. So, but I also understand why there will be a teacher shortage in the next few years, which is not a good thing. And so the good news is uh, I think there will be a lot of good things that come from the past few years. I think that school choice will start becoming the deciding factor in many elections. It's already becoming a deciding factor. I think inserting competition into schools is a really good thing and allowing parents uh, to choose their tax dollars and where they go. 
but it's kind of like the interstate over here, I-75, when they repair it, it's a holy mess while they're repairing it. And right now, I think education is going through a real rough and tumble time, but I think in the end, it will be a far better experience. It will produce better results for the students, for the teachers, uh, and for uh, the parents. But so I just want to say to all of you, this is not just an, a series of episodes for students, I'm, I'm sorry, for parents and grandparents, but also uh, for you all, because you all are parents and grandparents as well. So no matter what you choose, I'm sure that you uh, at the end will get more involved in your children's education, volunteering at your children's school, and also getting involved with your local school board and decision-making policies. So. The two women that you are going to meet this week made a decision to do something different about their children's education long time ago, long before COVID and the nightmare that we've all lived through. Now, the reason I asked them to be first on my show is because I know them both very well. I call them my personal friends and I've slept in their homes. I think maybe in the bed, one of their children's beds when I spent the night. Uh, and, and so I know that they're the real deal. Not only are they the real deal, but I actually envy them because I see the kind of education their children are getting because of the choices they made many years ago. And I think that you will be um, in awe of them when we're done, but I think they will give you hope and they'll give you a strategy and it will be an option for you because I believe you should have lots of choices about your children's education. So would you please warmly welcome to Common Sense Choices, my friends, Katie Ray Van Togren and Leah Carta. Hi. <laughs> welcome you two. How are you this morning? Awesome. Good. So Katie Ray, where are you in Michigan today? Um, I live in Whitehall, Michigan, so I'm about a mile from Lake Michigan, the big lake, so. And is it spring there yet? Uh, just barely. <laughs> I saw a couple snowflakes the other day, and I said, I, I think that's snow. I'm not going to, yeah. So we just, we're just barely getting warm. <laughs> Leah, where are you down in Texas? We live about an hour outside of Fort Worth in a town of about 7,000 people called Decatur. It's a little farm town. Cool. Very, very cool. What Y'all have your coffee mugs this morning? Yes. See, this is the perk <laughs> of being my speaker. You get a coffee mug. I had to express mail yours, Leah. <laughs> but I think it was, uh, I think it was Jan Fedford that didn't get hers and she had to write the word choices on a white when she got it. Well, let's just start first with your story. You kind of heard my story of, you know, when I was growing up, I went to a public school. So Katie Ray, what, what's your story? Yeah. So I went to a small um, Christian school growing up. That was my education from kindergarten all the way to senior year. I graduated with 15 people. And, uh, and so I became very close with those, you know, schoolmates and uh, it felt um, almost like homeschooling, I guess, in a way, because it was such a small environment. But being in that small environment, you know, when you go to a small school, you have to do everything. So I was in everything. I was band and um, drama and I did all the clubs because if you weren't in them, they didn't have them. So <laughs> I, I did it all. 
Um, and it's so funny because as I started to research about homeschooling and, and things, I realized that I had actually just done some homeschool curriculum at my small Christian school. So he used a Becca. So I think that's really gave me kind of hope that, you know, that could be something that uh, I would do. But yeah, that's my education. Cool. Well, it's interesting. I had Cindy Williams on about being a victor or a victim, and she went to a really small school in Louisiana, and the coach said, you know, she's really tall, and, and you know, we need somebody on the basketball team. And she said, I don't play basketball. And he goes, she goes you do now <laughs> for the same reason. That's what it's like. <laughs> so, Leah, what's your story? Yeah, so I was in public school for kindergarten and first, and then second through eighth grade, I was at a very large Christian school. We probably had about 4,000 kids there. It was pretty big. And then um, transferred for high school to my local public school and then graduated through the public school system. Very cool. So you kind of got a taste of everything. Everything. Now, <laughs> so, you know, my... My public school was clearly in the 60s and 70s. Things were very, very different. You know, you, you, you stood for the flag. You prayed each morning. I mean, it was a very different experience, clearly. Um, so both of you, let's, let's find out about your families. Uh, if you're married, your children, how old they are. Uh, Katie Ray, what about you? Yeah, so I've been married uh, for 20 years. It'll be 20 years this October, which is so crazy how fast it goes um, to Paul. And Paul uh, went to a large public school in uh, northern Michigan, in Gaylord. Um, and we have three children. Ellie is 18. She's graduating this year. Impossible. Um, I, impossible. I, <laughs> it's impossible. It's so crazy I, how fast. How long have I known you? For like almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, this is impossible. I've been getting graduation invitations from people that I thought were still in the first grade. Go ahead. Ellie's 18. <laughs> yep. Isaiah is 15. So he'll start driver's training here in a couple of weeks. And then Adeline is our baby and she's 11. Well, they are absolutely adorable. She reminds me of that girl on Anne and Green Gables, right? Haven't yeah. I told you that before? She should be like... <laughs> In that. Okay, Leah, tell us about your family. So I have been married to my husband for, I want to say 17 years, something like that. We got married when I was 19. Um, and then we have three kids. Um, they're all named after presidents. We're a very patriotic family. Um, so Lincoln is the oldest and he is um, almost 10. And then Kennedy is almost seven. And then Reagan is four. And then um, our home life is a little bit different because if you walk about uh, 15 feet down a little covered walkway, you'll come to my grandparents' home. So my 93-year-old grandparents also live with us full time. Um, so, and then on the back of our property, my mother-in-law lives in a little tiny home out there. So it's, um, it's a busy, busy, busy life for us right now. Well, it, it reminds me of Southeastern Kentucky, darling. I mean, everybody up the holler has a piece of land <laughs> and everybody lives close to each other. But it is interesting how everybody used to have that kind of arrangement or something similar. And then we migrated away from it. And now we're migrating back. And I yes. think that's happening in so much of our society is like we went here and now mm -hmm. we're coming back to here because it got out of wacko. 
Um, in fact, Leah, I was just thinking when you was telling me before the show last week, you said that you they were 93 and I knew that they lived with you or, you know, 15 feet away, that you were helping care for them. I thought, man, that's an episode all by itself, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very much so. Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the, the choice because uh, this episode is about choices and clearly this episode is about homeschooling as a choice. Have you all, did you know always that you would homeschool your children or did you try something else or have you intermixed it? So, uh, Katie Ray, let's start with you. Sure. Um, and so funny because my parents live right down uh, a driveway too. We, we all live in the same, we call it the compound. So we get that Leah. That's awesome. <laughs> it is great. Well, our kids, I started our children. Ellie went to the same Christian school that I went to for preschool. Um, when we lived, uh, about 30 miles South of here, um, it was just easier for her to go to that. And then we moved, um, to be closer to my parents and, we put them in the local public school. And so we live in a very small town. Um, I don't know what the population is in Whitehall, but I think last time I looked it up, it's like around 3000. So it's not a huge, um, you know, not a huge town. So uh, the school was smaller and I knew a lot of the teachers and felt really, really good about that. So we put Ellie uh, there and she did amazing, loved that. I volunteered in the school system. I was always there. I was there a couple days a week um, with Ellie. And uh, so we did the same thing for Isaiah. He did young fives and preschool, all this stuff um, in school. And I just hopped between the two um, different schools to help. And so Paul always kind of joked that they should have hired me because I was always there and I was always there. Um, but I really loved being with my kiddos. I remember um, a mom, the first day of school, <laughs> this is kind of mom I am, first day of school, a mom dropped off her children and we were outside and I um, did not love dropping off my kids. I That's why I was there all the time. I wanted to be with them. And she was like, oh, this is so great. Aren't you excited? You know, she was like pumped to drop her kids off. And I went back to my car and cried. Um, I was like, I was not excited. I was not excited to leave them. I didn't love it. I like sat in the parking lot for a while deciding do I have to go? You know, so anyway, um, so we did do public school until Ellie was in fourth grade. Isaiah was in first grade and uh, Addie, um, she was my straggler. So I did put her in a preschool while we were actually homeschooling. I put her in a play-based preschool um, that was smaller that she could just go for a little bit. But other than that, she's only been homeschooled. Um, so preschool is all she had. All right. So what made, what made you make the switch? Well, because I was in the school so much, um, I was good friends with all the teachers, loved them, went to church with a lot of them, uh, knew the principal well. And, you know, when you're a vocal parent where I was very volunteered, loved to being in there, um, they want to accommodate you. So if you think you don't have a voice in a public school, that is not the truth. Because when you're the parent that is the helpful one that's in the classroom, the principal will sit down and talk to you at any moment because he wants you to be there. And so um, I loved our experience until Isaiah was in first grade. And I had seen some things that gave me um, some some signal, like some alerts, like, hey, maybe this isn't the best. I was going to all the school board meetings and listening 
I read all the lesson plans. Do you know that you can go to any of your schools that your kids are in and you can ask for the lesson plan and read it? Um, and so I did that and did a lot of research and didn't love the narrative that was being um, spoken to my children on a regular basis. And it was really blatant in my little small town. And I just thought, because when people say this, oh, not in my school, it's not happening. This was nine years ago and it was happening nine years ago. So. I just kind of sat back. One of my girlfriends um, made a year before this had decided to homeschool her three kids. And so I thought I'm going to watch her make sure she doesn't die in the process and still be involved in my local school. And uh, so I was keeping an eye on her to make sure she was still alive and she was having the best year of her life. And I was so jealous because they were going to museums and her kids were loving their life as homeschool kids. And I really wanted that for my own family. I had a very flexible job and I still do. And so I could work that around my school. And so I, I watched and listened to the teachers and, the, and after a while just decided, you know what, we're gonna give this homeschool thing a try. I just thought we'll do it for a year. And then if I, if I live, <laughs> I will maybe continue and if my children like it. Um, but my Isaiah was very stressed all the time. Um, he was in a classroom with a lot of kids that had some behavioral issues. And I talked to the principal multiple times and he said, it doesn't matter what classroom I put them in, they're all like this. And I was like, oh, good. And I went and I, I sat in every other classroom to, to see what was going on. And it was um, just real tumultuous, like really kind of violent in some cases in Isaiah's room. And it just stressed him out. So every day I had a little one first grader come out of his classroom and ball his eyes out. And I just thought, we can do better than this. You know, um, he was just, his stress level was just really high. So I, uh, I, I really did it for my son because Ellie is so flexible that whatever was going to happen, she was good. She's still like that. She's real easygoing firstborn, um, you know, rule follower, but Isaiah is a totally different critter. And so <laughs> I needed to do something for him that he could grow and flourish and not, um, associate learning with stress. Wow. That's impressive. And so that was what? Uh, how many years ago? It's nine years ago. Now. Okay. So you've been homeschooling for nine years. Okay. And, and, you know, I, I, I told you all, I trolled your Facebook page because, you know, I know both of you and I know your kids, but mm -hmm. you know, I know Facebook sometimes says, you know, you're only showing the good parts, but I don't think either one of you do that. I think you show the real deal of what it's like. And your classroom is the world. Both of you, I mean, I saw it on both of your Facebook page and I know you that, you know, it's like, we're going on a trip because this is, this is educational. And, and it was interesting during COVID because so many people homeschooled, like, by the way, you guys, I went to the Census Bureau. You all know me and my Census Bureau. I love the Census Bureau. And it's like 5 million families homeschooling right now. Like even now that people are back in school and I was like, whoa. And uh, I remember being on vacation during the past two years and everywhere I seemed to went, there was families and they were taking breaks and they were having classes in these historical places that I would drive through or visit or whatever. And I saw that their classroom was the world. Wow. Well, that's incredible. Um, and we'll come back to you, Katie Ray, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the challenges and the pivots and all that kind of stuff. But Leah, okay, your kids are younger. Um, what's, what's the story? Always homeschool? 
So I was that mom completely opposite from Katie Ray. Like my kids were going to go to public school. Like I was that mom that was like, I envied people with kids in kindergarten because I was like, you get a break from your kids for eight hours a day. Hindsight is 2020 and I didn't know what I know now. And my values have very much changed or maybe they were just deep in me and now they came out better. I don't know. But um, so I was looking forward to my son going to school. And so for us, um, homeschool was not intentional. I was that woman that if you homeschooled, I silently judged you. I thought your kids, all those poor kids are going to be so antisocial and they're probably really weird and they're probably very behind. And, you know, I just always thought if you don't have those, that degree and that, you know, you're probably not qualified to teach your children. I mean, I silently thought these thoughts. Um, so for us, our son Lincoln, he started reading at four and um, I don't know what we did. I don't know how it was like a prodigy moment, but he was reading chapter books at four years old. And so I suddenly became desperate to just get him into something. And so I remember going to our local public school because his birthday, like the cutoff was funny. And so he was going to have to wait. He missed it by like five days. And so he was going to have to wait an entire year. And I knew that just was not going to work. So I went in to see if they would make an exception. They said, no, I said, you know, would you test him? Would you, you know, do whatever you need to know? Absolutely. Wouldn't even look at him. So then I went to private school, got the same answer. And so one of my friends said, what you can do is you can homeschool him for a year and then they have to take him into first grade. And so my plan was I would homeschool him for kindergarten. So during this time, I bought a box curriculum, Linda, because I didn't know what I was doing. And so I said, okay, kindergarten, I can do this. Alphabet, letters, cult, whatever, we can do this. And so two things happened that year that really changed my mind. Um, the first was, um, and I'm in Texas, which is a very, I would say on the list of like family values, it, you know, it's, it's up there. It's, you know, the good old boys, it's, it's wholesomeness when I think of Texas. And there had been a kindergarten curriculum that had been leaked. And it was um, these very graphic books that were being shown to kindergartners that was basically sex education um, in the kindergarten age. And um, one of the pictures was two naked men on top of each other. And so my mama heart was just thinking, my five-year-old, that, that is not the content that he needs to be learning in kindergarten. Um, and I, I thought it wasn't true. This can't possibly tr be true. And after research, it was true. This was the curriculum that was going into the public schools in Texas. So that was the first thing. The second thing is one of our neighbors, um, they had a kindergartner who was in this public school system and um, she had come over for a play date and the mom was in tears because they had just gotten back from truancy court and they had to pay a fine of $800. Their daughter had been sick with a terrible stomach flu for about four days and then they had a planned vacation to Disney for seven days. And because they took that vacation and because she had been sick, they got fined. They had to go to truancy court. And before a judge, it was an $800 fine because they had a family vacation together. And that was a major red flag in, in kindergarten. kindergarten. <laughs> yes. And that was a major red flag because here I thought that's going to be a memory of a lifetime for that family. That's bonding, that's togetherness, that's wholesome, that's good. But because they're not at a desk for eight hours learning something, they probably, it just, it did not make sense. And so I started seeing all these little signs of like, maybe this is not a good fit for my family. So that's kind of what brought us into homeschool. And that first year, Linda, what happened is we, we fell in love with it. Um, there were moments that I just sobbed because I got to be the one seeing my son have a breakthrough on something. And that's the most magical. It's almost like when you see your child take their first steps, 
when you see them read for the first time or you see them understand a concept or memorize a poem, like it's really cool to be able to be in the passenger passenger seat of that. Wow. Incredible. Um, so the person watching this right now who is in turmoil, okay, they're in turmoil. They they've seen more than they than they're comfortable with and they have questions and what have you. And y'all make it sound really, really good. And clearly it is a great fit for both of you. So let's, let's tackle a tougher question here. Were there moments that you questioned, was this the right decision? What were the hardest things you had to overcome and some of the pivots that you've had to make? Katie Ray? Sure. So I think, you know, when Leah talks about a boxed curriculum, that is what we did. I think that I knew I was not a teacher. I was a massage therapist and I worked for myself. And so I didn't have a teaching background and I did not want to put together an education. I didn't know what to do. So this thing behind me actually on this side is a curriculum called Sunlight. And I just researched for a year and tried to find something. And you just like, and there, there's tons of... Uh, homeschool curriculums like this, where it just gives you, you know, this is what you do every day. And I love that. I just followed the plan. So I think that that was why we were successful right away is because I just chose something and we started it and I didn't second guess myself. Um, because I think with homeschooling, like anything, there are a bazillion options. And when you let yourself get weighed down by all of the options, um, you can really get uh, overwhelmed. And so I think just choosing something. Now, with that being said, I told you my daughter is very much a rule follower. She loved her, her schedule every day. It was fantastic. She did two and three and four lessons a day. She loved it so much and she was the best student ever. And then I have my middle guy who, um, you know, it was a little bit more of a challenge and he was the whole reason I was homeschooling. And so it was a lot different for my second child than it was my first one. So every kid is different. And, you know, just because my one is like zooming through everything, my other one, we had to change some things up. And so I didn't have the same expectations for each child, we have different expectations based on their needs and desires and, and wants. And that's changed as we've moved into high school too. So things that, you know, don't, I think that sometimes as a parent, we assume that things are going to go exactly how we plan them. And each kid is one kid did it this way. That's what's going to happen. That is not the case. Like every child is so different. And so just be okay with being flexible and, um, and changing it up. And no one, you're not going to break anybody. You know, I think that's the thing that I was worried about is doing it wrong and failing. And I'm not going to get them ready for college because that's, that is my end goal is I want to make sure that they have every option available to them and that I don't hold them back at all. And so, you know, you can use your local high school when you are doing homeschooling to Ellie took the PSAT, she's taking the SAT, you know, you can get them ready for all that stuff and be ready for college ready. And Ellie actually went to our local community college her last year in high school and dual enrolled. So you can do a lot of different things. But I think that the pitfalls, you know, just being okay with the day doesn't maybe go how you planned. And um, that's okay. And if it's beautiful outside, 
take the world as your classroom, like you said, Linda, and go somewhere, like mix it up a little. You don't have to, don't set up school in your house. If you're really thinking about doing this, you know, it's good, but don't go out and like, you know, buy desks. I mean, you, you can do school like at the kitchen table. You don't want to recreate a classroom. You know, there's a place for that, I think, in some spots, but then there's also a place that right before this, Isaiah and I were sitting on the couch reading a book together. And so I read a lot more to my to Isaiah than I did Ellie, um, and he really loves it. And so, you know, I think that just finding a different thing that works for kids and not being so like, and taking a break, it's okay that like, it's noon and you've had a couple meltdowns, especially when you have little kids. When my kids were younger and Isaiah would like freak out or Addie or Ellie even, and burst into tears, I'd be like, okay, we're going to do something else today. Cause you know, you get a lot more done than you realize. There's not, you know, we don't have to stand in line to go to the bathroom. There's not like lunch break and we just kind of, it's all organic. It just happens. So. Cool. Very, very cool. And don't let me forget, cause I want to come back um, to talk about co-ops and, and the fact that you do have other sources available to you. Cause I'm thinking, Lord, I would never be able to teach algebra or any of these advanced <laughs> subjects. Like, it's like, I have no clue. Anyway, Leah, so, so what, how would you answer those questions? Well, I, I can't, I have to agree with Katie, right? Like your kid is not, I think sometimes school puts kids into a box. Like you have to be at this level, you have to be this thing. And when I look at my kids curriculum, so the first year we did do a box curriculum and I quickly realized that Lincoln was at different places, different levels, different subjects. So for example, if you go open up our homeschool closet right now, Lincoln is doing sixth grade math, fifth grade language arts, fourth grade science, like he's kind of all over the place. And same with my two girls. So one of the things I love about homeschooling is that I get to customize for my kids and I get to meet them where they're currently at, if it's ahead or if it's behind. And I think that's something that's really beautiful about homeschooling that's not talked about enough. Um, so a couple other things too, that I just wanted to add to what she said is, um, I'm so sorry. I just blinked for a second. Um, one of the things that I want to add, <laughs> ask me the question again, Linda. You said you could edit this part, right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I like the raw deal. No, we were talking about, you know, did you ever have doubts? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There were days that I like would cry on the floor just thinking, I am not, I am not <laughs> capable. I'm going to break this child. But everything evolved over time. Like everything evolved over time. Like within that first year, I really realized that we were onto something. And I kind of felt ahead of the world, to be honest, because our current school system, in my opinion, is set up to equip kids for like the early 90s or something. I mean, yeah, sure, there's technology thrown in there, but the world is changing. Things are changing. Things are evolving. So with homeschooling, we have that extra time to really customize an education for our children. Um, so for example, my son right now is studying cryptocurrency. My husband is adamant that he learn what it is, how, how it's because he really thinks, you know, that's that's going to be part of our future. I don't know any of our kids in the public school system who are learning that at the pace that he's learning it at. Um, we also made the decision as a family to homeschool year round. And we did this for two reasons. One, we wanted flexibility. And two, it puts our kids on target to finish when they're about 15. I saw so much pressure, including on myself, to make a decision at 18 years old, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And I remember as a high schooler crying, having to come up with like, I got to decide my major. It was so much pressure. And so our strategy as a family was if our kids, if we homeschool year round, they'll finish at 15 and then they'll have two to three years to explore their passions. 
to intern somewhere, to check out trade schools, to do all those these things that no one is talking about versus go to college, go to college. And I'm not anti-college, but I also know there's other great opportunities. There's plumbers that make more money than someone with five degrees. And so I, I want my kids to explore all of that. Uh, the other reason, Linda, that we homeschool year-round is the flexibility that's cre it's created for us. Um, so we actually just ended school. We ended school on Friday. My grandmother has stage four cancer, and we're getting towards the end right now. And so school right now is caring for Nanny. And it's been beautiful. And it's together as a family. Like, I just think if the kids were rushed in different schedules, we wouldn't have these moments that we have. Um, and so I love the flexibility of it, too, that if I need a break or if I'm the kids are overwhelmed, I can just say, you know what, we're taking three days off. We're taking four days off. When we're done with this podcast, we're hopping in the car and headed to Pensacola for five days. And we decided that four days ago. <laughs> so I don't have to check in with teachers. I don't have to get, a you know, curriculum set home with me like we're just going to do it and we're going to learn on the beach so flexibility is amazing perfect well both of you and i think we need to bring this to our audience's attention both of you work from home and so you're not just a full-time mom full-time homeschool mom both of you run very successful businesses that contribute greatly to your family's income so i think one of the questions that the audience would have is you know uh First of all, I would be curious, how many hours a day do you dedicate to this and in prep time and actual execution? And I know it's flexible. I mean, I get that, but there's clearly a lot of prep time um, that go into it. So that would be the first question is how many hours a day do you dedicate solely to this? And then for someone who's watching who works a traditional job, is this an option? Katie Ray? Yeah. So I would say it's changed, you know, when my kids were littler, I had to do a lot more prep. And so I laid out every book and like marked all the pages that they had to do and everything, and then just kind of um, managed that and watched them work through that. Now, um, because we've been doing it for so long and they kind of know the drill and I haven't changed it up very much, uh, they have their binder and they open it up and they just do their thing. So the older we get, the less prep I have to do. And it's, it, and it's seasons, I think, too. You know, I've spent a lot more time with Ellie as we've written our transcript for high school and as she's applied to different places for scholarships and stuff like that and just prepping her. So we've spent more time there. So I think each kid, it just kind of, we ebb and flow with that. Um, and what was your other question? Just Well, is how many hours would you say on the average or what would be a typical day? Maybe that's a better question because you're still working. And, yeah. and, and then is this even possible for someone who works a traditional, say, nine to five job? Sure. So um, our average day, uh, my oldest and youngest are more morning people, kind of, and my middle is not. And so, you know, um, he... I have let him sleep in because it doesn't really matter when he finishes school on most days because we're home, you know, and so we're flexible like that. So I've allowed my teen to sleep till 10. And I know some people would be like, oh, but I think that that has changed, um, you know, my other teenagers up at seven. And so she is really great in the morning and he's more great in the afternoon. And so we've allowed that flexibility for our family. Um, I would say probably I spend most of my time with Addie as far as my littlest to help her through. And we probably spend three hours, four hours a day um, working. And then my teens, you know, Ellie is kind of doing her own thing now at this point. She's probably doing um, 
six or seven hours and Isaiah is probably at the same level there just finishing things. But um, so, yeah, and I think that because you can be flexible, um, you definitely could have a traditional job and do school later, you know, in the day, um, you know, or have someone, it just depends on the ages, but you could, you know, have a, a person who watches your children and they could do school and you check it later, you know, in Michigan, we are, we are a great state for school. Um, and you can check the homeschool, the HSLDA, um, you can check your rules for each state because they're different. So our educational system is different in Michigan. I just have to not neglect my child's education. That's a very broad definition. Uh, but some states you have to like track your hours and, and actually show your curriculum. I'm, I'm grateful that I live in the state I live in right now, but um, for that. But yeah, so I think you could have a traditional job and, and do school later. You know, Paul has really done some of our Isaiah's education this year. He's done more than um, any other year um, because Isaiah's taking a bunch of electronics classes with Paul. And so Paul ordered all these cool electronic kits and they solder and um, build electrical panels. Paul's like, I could, I could hire this kid. He does a better job soldering than anyone I have at work. And so, you know, I think that that's been cool too because Paul can be involved and he does that all after work. So I love that. Well, and, and I, I, you know, because I've been to your home and I know that we have chickens and you did this whole plucking thing all one summer. And then when I came to visit, we went out to the deer stand, which is in your backyard. And, and I thought, man, this is like self-survival here. And if, if the world ends, I'm coming to Katie Ray and Paul's house. Um, okay. Well, this is good. This is good. So Leah, what would be your typical day? How does it look? How many hours of prep? And do you feel a person working a traditional job could do this? Yeah, so like Katie Ray said, the older they get, kind of the more independent they become, where it's more just you're checking to make sure things got done versus actual actual instruction. So um, Lincoln, my oldest, he is very much independent. I'll have to help him with a few things. And, um, and honestly, like I don't have a box curriculum anymore, but math is not my strong suit. Um, but thank God for YouTube. So whenever there's a concept that we don't know, we go over to YouTube and uh, it's on there. And someone passionate about it is teaching way better than I could. And so we watch a five minute clip and he masters it and it's great. And I learned too, so that's good. Um, but with my littles, it's it. I would say the, the younger it is, less time. So when you're dealing with like preschool, kinder, it's only about 30 minutes to an hour. Um, which I know shocks people because at school you're there for eight hours, but you have to think of all the transitions and the fillers and the there's a lot that goes on to make the day work. Plus, you're waiting for 30 other kids to understand a concept before you move on. So well, I, remember I, have that. To, I have to interrupt you right there. Hold the thought, because seriously, you know, my daughter, my son is the rule follower, whatever. Yeah. And Katie, I mean, I was at the principal every week for her entire life until her senior year. And literally, she'll kill me for telling this story, but I went in there and I said, you've got to figure out a different way for this child to get out of school because yeah. she would come home, even in grade school and say, mom, she could have taught that co concept in five minutes, but it took an hour. And then I had to do all this stuff and wait on all these other people. And it made her crazy. And so I did yes. her a great injustice. But when she was a senior, we pulled her out. She finished her degree online. She'd get up at four, go to work at Panera, go ride her horse. Then she would do her lessons at Starbucks and she made straight A's. It was on yep. her schedule. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. 
So our, our typical day, so my husband, we both work from home. He has his own business as well. So he'll get up at five and he'll work from about five until noon. Um, and then I am up with the kids and we start school around seven, if it's a good morning, sometimes 730. Um, and then we're done usually by 11 o'clock. Um, and what I love about this is that the entire, and then I'll go to work and I'll maybe just sit outside and work while the kids play. Um, but my children are outside about seven hours out of the, if it's a nice day, even in the rain, they're outside playing in the mud. But what's been cool to see Linda is that they're filling those times with things that they're passionate about. My uh, six-year-old is really into fashion design. So she will draw sketches all day. Um, Lincoln is mastering piano. I mean, I don't have a musical bone in my body, so I don't know where he gets it from, but, um, and then Reagan will just work on her drawings and her art. She loves doing art. And so I just think about in a traditional setting at a public school, my kids would get home by three, four o'clock, we'd be rushing for a sport or whatever, and then dinner, and then hopefully some family time together. Like they wouldn't have time for those. My kids also own two businesses. My two oldest make about $300 a month each in their businesses. Um, and so it, yes. So it, it gives us time for them they to perform. But Linda, my husband and I feel adamant that they need to have leadership skills and how to run a business. I know it sounds crazy at an early age, but I think the younger they are, the easier it is to teach them. Um, and so they save up, they're saving up their money for a goal. And, you know, but again, if, if we were looking at an eight hour school day, we wouldn't have time to do those things. And so I also had to ask myself a lot, what is the big picture? You know, begin with the end in mind. By the time my children are 18, what do I have? What do I want to have accomplished? Do I want them to have all the capitals memorized? No, we have Alexa for that. Like it's not necessary anymore. We have resources. Is it good to know? Sure. But what's even more important is how to be a good citizen, how to communicate with someone that's older than you, um, how to balance, you know, a spreadsheet. Like these are just things that they need to know. And so we ask ourselves, it's kind of an audit we do, you know, are we teaching them things that 10 years from now is going to be relevant and they need to know? Right. Well, I, I mean, I want to go back and raise my kids again. Um, all right. So kind of the last, well, I want to ask this real quickly um, because your tax dollars are paying for schools. So you all have access to things that you all could use. So explain that to the audience a little bit. Katie Ray. Sure. So um, all of my kids have been dual enrolled in our local public school actually the whole time. So there's a homeschool partnership that you can do in your community. Now just know that you are, um, you know, they're obviously getting funding for you to be part-time enrolled and you do have to, you know, I think it's different for everybody. I was willing to make a few compromises to get a certain thing from that program. Um, uh, two years ago, my son looked at me and said, I am unwilling to do the things that they need me to do for me to go there. And so um, he made that decision and we just did something else. And so, you know, I think that the, the, um, mis the thing that people don't know is that there are lots of options. Our local community college loves homeschool kids, wants them at ninth grade. They'll take them if they're mature enough. Um, we have a local uh, tech center that does a welding program, or you can become a hairdresser before you finish high school. There's like so many options. And I know that that's not just in my town. That's got to be, 
in everyone's area. There's huge homeschool communities. Um, there's in about an hour from us, there's a whole, we have this big, bigger city that we live near. It's about an hour, but you could be in a homeschool band and they have um, homeschool soccer and we could do traditional regular soccer. You could actually be still involved in your local high school stuff too. So you just have to ask the questions, um, you know, when you don't ask, you don't get. And so you just have to call and make those connections and talk to those people and find your local homeschool co-op too, because there's a lot of different people um, doing homeschooling a lot different. You know, I definitely had a stereotype before I joined, like Leah said, um, you know, not every homeschool mom is that picture in your head. You know, I am probably one of the only ones in my little circle that wears a red lip every once in a while, but, you know, and fake eyelashes, but that's okay. I break the mold. So, you know, I think though that you have options. And I think sometimes when you feel like you're pulling your child from this traditional, you know, school that they aren't going to get some of those experiences. Like next weekend, Ellie and Isaiah are going to the prom. You know, it's a homeschool prom. It's going to be a couple hundred kids. And, you know, I think that you can still have all of those experiences. And really, you know, I was really worried about socialization too, Leah, when we started this whole thing. And I, I think a lot about, you know, when we, um, I get to choose we socialize with and my friends are not my same age. I think sometimes we get stuck in, you know, when they're in high school, you know, think about it. Most of my friends are all different ages, you know, and, and we have that option to show our kids in homeschool too. Ellie has all different age friends and all of my kids do. And uh, it's so good that we can intermingle because that's how life is, right? You don't stick with your age group. I'm sorry. I can't be your friend if you're not my age, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, what would you add to that? So in Texas, Linda, homeschooling is up 270%. One in seven Texas students as of last month is a homeschooler. Um, so I say that because what's available to you now, it's a night and day difference compared to what was available even five years ago. Um, so just know like, if socialization is your concern, um, you're going to be fine. And also like, I had to remind myself too, what do I want my child to be socialized with? Do I want him influenced by other little nine-year-olds all day? Or do I want him influenced by a strong parental unit and friends that are kids of, you know, families that I know their values and we, our values align. And so do my kids get to meet different people all the time, but I like that their influences that I have more control over that, um, especially at a younger age. I think that's really important. So for us, our co-op has been a lifesaver more so probably for me than my kids. I have made my best friends. Um, I call them my COVID friends because that's our co-op came together because of COVID. Um, and so it's been phenomenal. And so we go once a week. Um, I teach at the co-op and my kids take extremely fun classes. Lincoln took a man sewing class last semester where they made like Nerf tactical vests and a beanie. And, um, and there's, you know, a top chef class where they're cooking. There's a survival skills class. There's a class called things that go boom, where they blow stuff up every week, like just a really fun, fun time and a great way to, um, to connect with people. Um, and so just know that those resources are hundred percent available. You might need to look around and try out a few until you find your fit. Um, but you definitely will find it for sure. Well, this has been so encouraging. I mean, I'm filled with hope. Uh, just by listening to you all. As we close, is there any particular advice that you or guidance or anything that you would give our audience that 
maybe they're not thinking about it, but they see their grandchildren or they see their sisters struggling or, you know, they've got friends that are like, man, I don't know what we're going to do, but we got to do something. What, what advice would you give as we kind of wrap this thing up? Katie Ray? Um, I think there's so many resources. You know, when I was first starting to figure it out, I researched, you know, who do I, who do I admire in the homeschool world? And who do I, you know, I think we find mentors, you know, in anything that we do. And so I would say, look for someone that's doing it really well and ask, you know, talk to them. I read a couple of really great books when I got started. Um, John Holt, How Children Learn. It was a great book um, to really get started. And then there's a lot of podcasts. And, you know, I don't suggest going to a, a homeschool convention right out the bat because they are very overwhelmingly as laughing because uh, she has a great story about that. But I waited till about year four. And then I went to my very first homeschool convention. And there are lots of different ones. And they are massive. And it just makes you feel like I am not the only one. I think sometimes you feel like you're in a desert by yourself. And Leah just told you one in seven people, one in seven students. That's crazy numbers. Um, I need to find out how what I can see for Michigan because I'm sure that that number has grown. But, you know, I think people love having choices. I know I do and just not being boxed in. And so just thinking, what could your life be like if you had this freedom to teach your children what you wanted them to learn, what was important to you? I think that that is just gold and priceless. And, you know, you only get your kids for a, a small little time and then they're big because we blink and Ellie's graduating and it's so crazy. But yeah, there's lots of things. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Katie Ray. Leah? There's a couple things I would suggest. The first thing is you have to deprogram yourself. That was probably the most challenging thing for me and honestly, every homeschooler that's a new homeschooler um, because you want to go in and your initial gut reaction is I have to create school and I have to have this eight-hour day. And I remember spending so much money creating a classroom, <laughs> like all these things. I laugh now because I just didn't know any better. But what we don't want to recreate school we want something different we want something unique and customized for our kids so just don't put pressure on yourself if your school day gosh with one child my school day would probably only be two hours um and so just don't put pressure on yourself and you know the second thing and i always get emotional when i talk about this but i have people all the time who will learn that we homeschool and they'll look at me and say gosh i just wish that i i had the ability to do that there's just no way like i'm not capable of doing that and it literally breaks my heart because I just want to grab them and say, at what point did society make you lose your confidence to where you don't think that you can parent and raise your own children? At what point, when did this happen? Who told you, how were you programmed? Um, you know, at what point? Linda, one second, my child's banging on the door. <laughs> Break in just a minute, go see daddy. Go see daddy. Right, go see daddy. I'm so sorry. Go see daddy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course, the perfect, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I just want you to know, like, you're capable. You're capable. Like, who, really ask yourself, who has told me what in society? How have I been programmed to believe that I am not capable of taking care of my own child? That someone else who at first I'm sure there's, you know, there's awesome teachers, they're great teachers, but they are a stranger to your child when they first meet them. You know your child better than anyone else. And so don't question yourself. Don't question your capability. Like you will figure it out along the way. I have done a lot of figuring it out along the way and you will. And there's resources. 
And that brings me to use the resources around you. There are people in your life that if you just ask them, they will be delighted to help you. Um, we have the cutest dairy farmer up the road. And when we were doing a section on animal agriculture, I went over there and I said, hey, would you give our kids a couple lessons on your dairy farm? And he started crying. He said, Leah, I would be honored to. I love this. This is my life's work and to be able to share it with someone. And I mean, it was amazing what my kids were able to have hands-on access to that they wouldn't had I not asked. You know, my grandparents, the knowledge that they have and you know, there's people around you that want to help. You have a sister, you have a brother who has a skill. Like just think of these skills and and have them help your children. People want to do that. Um and then the other thing I want to say is just give it a year. You know, you don't have to make this life altering commitment, but at least give it a year because I think there is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, and so at least give it a year and say, let's just see how it goes. And also, I love letting my children lead their education. We have core subjects that we stick to, obviously. But one of my favorite things, Linda, we have this jar in our little homeschool area. And at the beginning of the year, I write down, I ask the kids, what do you guys want to learn about this year? And of course, Reagan will say like how crayons are made. And so we'll write that down and Lincoln wants to learn calligraphy. And so I put him in a jar and once a week we draw something. And so we might tie dye, we might learn calligraphy. And that has led me to great resources. Like our library had a calligraphy kit that we could check out. So I love letting my children lead in their education as well. Um, Cause that's opened up a lot of doors to, to great conversations and great experiences. Yeah. And they want well, to learn more, you know, that's yeah. the cool thing is that they they're active learners. You're creating a lifelong love of learning. Like I don't yes. want my kids to dread this because in the, as an adult, I want them to love to learn. I want them to be interested. I don't want them just glued to the TV or glued to their device. I want them exploring with the creative. And I think that's how they're going to be set apart. And I think like we talked about in the beginning, old is new now, like families are living together. I think the new hip thing is going to be someone who is an out of the box thinker and someone who is different. So am I raising a different kid? Absolutely. And I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to, I want to give you both double go stars today because my objective was to give people hope to show them a different option, to give them choices. And, uh, you all have knocked it out of the ballpark. And when you said, Leah, you know, when you look around, your life is full of resources. When I started this podcast, I made a list of the thousands of people I knew who had gifts. And I realized if I brought all these people to a public platform, I'm going to start crying. If I brought all these people like Dr. Edwards or Pat Pearson or my friends who all had these amazing individual gifts that I could show the entire world why my life has been so absolutely wonderful because I have a world full of resources. And so you have absolutely proved that to the world today uh, by both of you being on the show. So thank you both very, very much. Your homework, I always give homework after each session and I never know what it's gonna be, is I want you to do what the girl said, which is to open your mind to other options, to deprogram yourself. I loved it, Leah, when you said, you know, who said that you can't teach your own children? Who said that you can't control this? And what are all the things your children are not learning that they can't have time in a big corporate environment? What we have that is literally imploding around us is someone in the city far, far away controlling what your children think and learn. And it's flipping upside down as it needs to. 
uh, which is you get to have say in your community. Every community is very different, what a child needs to know and learn. And so I am all in favor of competition and uh, free choice. Linda, I forgot to add too that we have a, a homeschool group on Facebook that um, oh. has an archive, a plethora of information. I should have said that earlier, um, but it's called the Homeschool Edit. And if y'all go in there, um, Katie Ray's in there, it just has a ton of information. There's interviews, there's curriculum resources, curriculum reviews. So if you need a place to start, um, that would be a good resource full of all sorts of different homeschool things. It's called the, T-H-E, Homeschool Edit. Edit. Okay. Yep. It's a Facebook group that you they can be admitted to. Yes. Okay. All right. That's perfect. Thank you all so very much. And I enjoy your coffee mug as my thank you. But the bigger thanks is that you have changed people's lives today and you've given them hope and relieved stress from their mind. And I thank you both from the bottom of my heart. For everybody. You've been, you have literally witnessed a brand new episode of a brand new series, and we sure hope that you continue to join us because next week we will have uh, Ari Hathaway and Leah Lachlan, who are two women who also made different choices with their children. And it will continue to blow your mind, the choices that are available to you. And so we just hope that you continue to love and learn from these episodes. Be sure to comment, like, and share on Facebook. We are on Apple and Spotify. And if you're listening while you're driving, hands on the wheel, nine and three, eyes straight ahead. Uh, and if you're commenting, you can comment on YouTube or you can comment on the Facebook, uh, Linda Tupin, uh, what's it called, public page. And then also, if you haven't signed up, please go over to lindatupin.com and I'll think about you every Thursday night at seven o'clock. It's my concierge service and I'll email you the latest episode and then you can take that off of your to-do list because it'll just magically come in your mailbox. So you guys, thank you all so much and we can't wait to see you next week. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Katie Ray. Bye.